0: Hey everyone, it's Justin, and I'm wanting to give a brief introduction to the second epistle, or letter, written to the believers in a town named Corinth, and so goes the name of the book, 2 Corinthians. This book is absolutely mega-packed. I'd need about a dozen or so episodes to just give it its due coverage, but since I don't have that luxury, I'm going to mention just a handful of highlights to look out for as you dive into it yourself. So the Apostle Paul wrote 2 Corinthians around 60 AD-ish. And actually, it was even before he wrote the book of Romans. Just a little fun fact for you. Now in 1 Corinthians, his first letter to these folks, you can just sense that Paul's tone was sort of like that of a dad who was disappointed in his kids. The church at that time, fairly newly saved believers were struggling, to say the least. There was a good number of discord, a good amount of division with that local body of believers. This was a real problem to God then, and sadly, even today. The tone is a little different in his second letter. A good number of the believers had repented of their sinful ways and had come back into unity or accord with one another. No doubt the members of the church in Corinth took Paul's first letter to heart and responded positively. As 2 Corinthians begins, you can see that this comforted or cheered Paul. He was encouraged by the believers in their cooperation with Christ and for their care and consideration for one another. As a result, Paul was led by the Lord to send a second letter, along with the opportunity to fortify the message of living according to Jesus Christ. I love how Paul practically outlines what it's like to live out Jesus in just the first three chapters of this book. Check out these five points. First, in chapter 1, verse 9, our confidence in every part of our lives should be based on and from God alone. Then in verses 21 and 22 of the same chapter, it states that we're not only attached or joined to Christ, but we've also been sealed, marked out, fully identified and belonging 100% to God. Moving on to chapter 3, beginning with verse 3, we can see that we're actually letters of Christ. The Spirit himself has actually been written on our hearts for those around us to read or to see. It's kind of like we're walking billboards for Jesus. There's also a handful of verses, beginning with verse 7, that speaks of our daily walk being full of light, even to the point of shining and glorifying God's amazing plan, which is to give everyone the spirit of life through Jesus. This is known by many theologians as the New Testament ministry or new covenant ministry. Lastly, in chapter three, verse 18, we ought to be like mirrors reflecting Jesus. It reads, we all beholding and reflecting as in a mirror, the glory, maybe another word, the manifestation of the Lord. Notice it doesn't say behaving like Jesus or being good or kind. No, it simply says, that we can reveal the Lord himself. Now, how's that remotely possible? Well, according to the verse, we gotta spend time with him in his presence, or to use the words in the verse, beholding him. Then spontaneously, we, we actually reflect what we behold. Quick story, so admittedly, the last few weeks, I have spent a, way too much, a lot of time Beholding all things fantasy football. It was the playoffs, okay? Guess what reflected off of me? Yep, you guessed it. Another mediocre fantasy football season. It wasn't very pretty. All right, so back to the good stuff. This verse ends with the apex, the pinnacle, the high peak, the point of points, really, of what all this Jesus living is about, which is that we're being transformed, into the same image, that says Jesus, (laughs) from glory to glory, even as from the Lord's Spirit. Okay, so it's only fitting for Paul to explain that our ministry today is just to preach Jesus Christ alone, not ourselves, not other things. It states, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord. chapter four, verse five. Paul later explains that Christians aren't likely to live a life without a few bumps along the way. Probably not a surprise to anyone listening. He states that compared to eternity with Christ, the challenges of this world are temporary and have a purpose for us. The verse reads, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Paul actually shares some of his own challenges. There's the mysterious kind of infamous thorn in his side that he asked God to remove from his life on a number of occasions, but God refused to. Instead, God responds, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is perfected in your weakness. All right, so what do we do with all this stuff? Well, my hope is that we would all take comfort in knowing that Jesus Christ is the very treasure living in us. Earthen vessels, jars of clay, it says so in chapter 4, verse 7, and as we deal with different trials, we can know that each event presents an opportunity for the power of Christ to be made more evident in our lives and that somehow, somehow, Christ and his perfect care will meet us there. Lastly, as the book suggests, we can be ministers, ambassadors of Christ by showing everyone This treasure in us by simply sharing him with others. All right, so I've barely scratched the surfaces of this book. With that, I want to challenge you to slow your read. I mean, really take your time reading through this book. Pause occasionally. Pray a little to the Lord. Even talk to the Lord about the different passages as you encounter them. This letter of Paul's ends with such a cool verse, and I want to share it. Catch the Trinity at work here. In fact, actually, I'd like to leave this as my prayer for you. That is that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thanks so much for listening.